0: iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Anthony DeCurtis from Rolling Stone. And
1: tonight's guests, Michael Rapaport and Fife Dog.
0: Thank you all for coming out tonight. And uh, of course, thank you both for being here tonight. No problem. Well, one of the things about the film uh, is the first part of it is incredibly evocative and really, really powerful. A kind of like hymn to both the origins of hip-hop and you know, that early 90s period out of which you know, a tribe called Quest emerged. I wonder if you could talk about uh, you know, the impact of the music had on you when you first heard it and uh, you know, how that was reflected in, uh, you know, in what you tried to do with the film. Um, For me, you know, hip-hop
1: has been a part of my life. I've been a fan of it since I was like 9 or 10 years old. My father worked at a radio station in New York City. It was the first radio station in the city to play disco music. It was called WKTU Disco 92. Any of you guys remember that station? Anyway, he he brought home a promotional copy of Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang when I was like 9 or 10 years old. And just the way you know, my kids, and I'm sure a lot of kids today, when they hear the music, they just gravitate towards it. I just happened to be gravitating towards it at its inception. Um, you know, I was from the east side of Manhattan. I wasn't living in it. I wasn't you know, growing up around it. I was just like a fan of it. And I had a, a, a hookup, so to speak. And, and, you know, and as I got older and as the music started evolving, it just became the soundtrack to my youth. You know, and I started going in the streets and playing basketball, and you'd hear it on the radio. And every Friday and Saturday night, it was like clockwork. You'd sit by the radio and watch and and watch and listen for DJ Red Alert and Mr. Magic and Chuck Chill Out. You'd sit by and and, and record, and and, you know, I would hear these things that you know you you know they would like became um, monumental moments. Catching Run DMC on the radio for the first time. Catching Dougie Fresh for the first time. And it just continued on. And um, eventually, I heard uh, a guy named Q-Tip on 98.7 talking about a Tribe Called Quest album coming out. And I became a fan of
0: theirs. Five, why don't you talk a little bit about the things that really inspired you to start rhyming and how the music impacted you when you first heard it.
2: Um, I was influenced to start because my mom is a poet. And then my dad, well my mom and dad, their record collection was massive, but um, growing up of Trinidadian descent, along with the OJs and Chic and this group and that group, there was a lot of Calypso in the house, because that's basically our culture in Trinidad, like hip hop is our culture here in New York, you know what I mean? So we had a plethora of records that I could just reach out and listen to. My dad begged me to stay off the turntables, but Every day he went to work, I'd get to home from school early before he got home from work, and I'd be on there teaching myself how to DJ myself, so um, that's what influenced me to start rhyming. And then the music of Stevie Wonder and Bob Marley, and the rest, as they say, is history.
0: Now, again, uh, one of the really most evocative uh, parts of the movie. Uh... You know the kind of origins and all of the kind of positive feelings that Tribe Called Quest represented at the beginning. Uh, I wonder if you could talk about that and and you know place it within the context of the time and and you know what the group was trying to achieve uh, in the context of what hip hop was and what popular music was and you know what you guys hoped to put out there.
2: Uh, we were just pretty much concerned with being ourselves. I mean, a lot of people have the misconception that because Tribe was a certain way, whatever that is, that we didn't listen to stuff like G Rap or NWA or Mob Deep. And that's totally opposite from what we did. We listened to everything. But we always knew in order to make it in this business, we had to be ourselves. You know what I mean? So that's basically where our concentration was. And it wasn't even so much being different. It's just that unfortunately at that time, a lot of people were just the same. You nah, know, pi- people love to pigeonhole you and things of that nature. We never wanted to be that at all.
0: Michael, you know, you, you uh, described your own uh, emotions about, about hip-hop leading up to Tribe. Tell me what you heard when you first heard Tribe and, and, and the effect that that had on you and what it meant to you. Um, when I first heard A Tribe Called Quest,
1: the, well, the first song that I heard And I saw the video, I was disappointed because it was, I left my wallet in El Segundo. (laughs) Which is a popular song and in hindsight I like it. But when I saw the video and I was in, and I had, I I only heard them on the radio, I was like, what the hell is this? This is what all the hype is about? Like, what is this? And then I was like, I kind of wrote them off for a second. And then finally, you know, soon after that I heard Beneath Applebaum and I was like, Wow. Um, and I think the feeling that it evoked, it was, a, it was something, there was an ingredient in their music that was like fun, conscious. There's a word that came up a lot during shooting the movie, inclusive. Their music was for everybody, but it was definitely soulful, hardcore hip-hop, but somehow or another, they were able to mesh all these things together, and I think the reason why like, it, it emoted, and stayed in the fans for so long, I think, it, it, I don't know, it was like the honesty or something. It was just this honesty and this humanity about the music. And it was funky and and, and, and jazzy at the same time. So it was like a lot of things provoking uh, from the music. And, and, it, and it wasn't contrived at all.
0: Five, listening to Michael describe the music that way and, and the impact that it had on him, is that, you know, does that, resonate with what you were feeling at that time and what you felt like you guys were putting out there and wanted to do?
2: Well, yeah, I definitely didn't want to put El Segundo out as the first single, but <laughs> Barry Weiss and the staff at Jive Records thought it was the perfect single to put out or whatever, and I was totally against it. But in hindsight, like Mike said earlier, I think it was good that we, that we did put that single out because we def- definitely learned from our mistakes, and that was the last time Jive was ever in control about what we were going to put out as singles. So, you know what I mean? Um, it was basically a spring... We used it as a springboard, and the rest, as they say, is history.
0: Well, there's a, a texture to the film, you know, and it, it, it really has a variety of, of kind of narrative arcs, one of which is, uh, you know, about the group as a whole, one of which is about developments in hip-hop, one of which is kind of about getting older... Uh, And one of which uh, is also your relationship with Q-Tip, which goes back to when you guys were really little kids. Uh, I wonder if you can talk about, uh, you know, what Q-Tip was like as a kid, what the two of you got from each other in those early days, and and, and what that relationship was like.
2: The relationship was dope. I mean, you know, he was always taller, obviously. (laughs) I was always shorter. (laughs) You know what I mean? But we played the same sports. And being short, I always had to prove myself more so than everybody else, and I did exactly that. But um, you know, whatever whatever I did, he did and vice versa as far as recreation, you know what I mean? And um when it came to the music, his father, he he basically put me on the jazz and I put him on the reggae. You know what I mean? So we shared a lot of things, you know what I mean. We learned a lot from each other's household even. You know what I mean? And then when it came to hip hop, you know, I was out in the street like that, just really taking taking it in all taking it all in. And being that he was my best friend as a kid, I went up to him and was like, Yo, I'm going ROM. This is the thing to do. You need to do that as well. Not to mention LL Cool J and Run DMC, they're from the same area as we are. So we looked at them as our idols and we used to mimic them as well as Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick. You know what I mean? And said, yo, after a while, it was like, yo, we could do this too. Because anyhow, you could say their lyrics, you know all the lyrics, and you sound just like them, or whatever it may be. It's like, yo, why, why don't we try this for ourselves? And we did, and it, and it worked out.
0: Michael, you know, you described the impact that Tribe had on you, and suddenly you found yourself in a spot where it seemed like maybe you could try to do something, maybe tell this story. You know, Can you talk about that decision and that process and uh, that hope for, for what you wanted to do with this film?
1: Um, my hope and sort of idea for the documentary um, was I, when, when the group broke up in 1998, I was like, unsatisfied with the breakup. I was, like, a lot of groups, a lot of groups in hip-hop were breaking up, like EPMD broke up, and Pete Rock and CL Smooth broke up, and a bunch of them broke up, but when Tri broke up, it was surprising, because they're, it was just, you just, as a fan, and there wasn't, like, internet, and you didn't know what was going on, you just, like, they're breaking up, and you just heard a little thing on MTV, and you're like, what, what, wait, no, they can't, it's Tribe Called Quest. Um, and at their last show in 1998 here in New York City at Tramps, I said, somebody should do a documentary on a Tribe Called Quest. Because to me, all the groups I just mentioned and Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five and Eric B and Rakim and Big Daddy Kane, like those guys, Tribe Called Quest is the equivalent, uh, if you grew up in the 60s, listening to the Beatles, Jimi Hendrix, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin. Like Tribe meant the same thing to me. And all those groups, I had always watched documentaries about those groups. and, And I just... It was just a natural thing. Like somebody should document a tribe called Quest. Somebody should do a. Do- I mean, who wouldn't want to see a documentary about Big Daddy Kane? I, I would love to see that. I but wouldn't want to make you- <laughs> it, but I would love to
0: see it. <laughs> but when did you decide that it was going to be you?
1: I-, I decided it was going to be me. I saw them perform in 2006 at the Wiltern Theater, and it was a just a great show. And the energy was so great. And I was backstage, and everybody was kind of waiting for Tribe to come out, and it was this actor and that actor and. You know this model, and it was reminding me of these Jim Marshall pictures of Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix and Bob Dylan playing around backstage. And I said that night, while somebody was taking a picture of, I think Q-Tip and Five, somebody should do a documentary about a Tribe Called Quest. And one of them said, "You should do it." And and I turned to my friend. I said, "I'm gonna do a documentary about a Tribe Called Quest." And then two years, and then I kind of got the ball rolling. I kind of started talking to them about it, or talked to Q-Tip about it. And I I was busy working on a a show and whatever. And then when I found out halfway through their tour, the Rock the Bells tour in 2008, I didn't even know they were on the tour. They were headlining this tour. I was like, I'm going to do the documentary about a tropical quest. And I I called Q-Tip, and he said, cool. And he said, call the rest of the group. And I called them individually. And they they all said, okay. And getting started was probably the easiest part about it.
0: (laughs) Five, how did you feel when... um when Michael approached you about the idea of this documentary, what what was your sense about it? And did you have any, uh, did you have any hesitations or is it all good as far as you were concerned?
2: I definitely had some hesitation, but, um, <laughs> I definitely had some hesitation, but I basically just asked him if everybody else was okay with doing it. And he said, yes. And I said, well, who am I to say no? You know what I mean? So, I just joined the fray, and here we are. You
0: know, uh, as I'm sure, before we start opening the floor to questions, uh, as we know, there was a, an original title, Beats Rhymes and Fights, that was changed. Uh, there was a lot of statements you know, that have been made you know, about the showing of the film. Obviously, Q-Tip has, has made a variety of statements. and I've,
1: So have I. And and I want to just
0: blame him. No, I'm not blaming him. I'm just uh, saying that... There was initially a statement of non-support, then a statement of support, and I wonder if that was just a kind of extension, in a sense, of what was going on with the group, you know, and, and as far as a response to, you know, what the film is, or, you know, if you have another kind of read on it that, you know, nobody here can know about, who isn't you or the group.
1: For me, I, I you know... The sort of stuff that's been in the press and the back and forth between me and Q-Tip and then me and the group, I'll say. Um, listen, if if somebody was making a documentary about me that was as intimate as this film wound up, I would be a little concerned too. It, just with the whole thing. Like, what? wait, what the hell is this? Like, I thought you guys were just gonna just be talking about the low-end theory of Midnight Marauders. I didn't know you were gonna... So... You know, no one knew it, including me, that the film would have the interpersonal relationships be so articulated in the film. So I think that when the guys started seeing the film, it was nerve-wracking and it's, it's exposing and, and, it may, and it's vulnerable, you're in a vulnerable position. So I think it came from that. Um, I feel like now the group as a whole is behind the film. Um, I respect Q-Tip. There's no reason why I would have ever went out of my way, spent my own money, um, you know, to, to, to make a film about somebody that I don't have a lot of respect for. I love the group and, you know, the film is the film and our little stuff is, it's really not that big of a deal anyway, you know what I mean, I, I I I can't wait for him to watch the film with an audience and really let the audience... Tell him what they think about it, because I made the film for the audience. I mean, it's about a tribe called quest, but I made it for the you know for the fans and for the audience. I didn't make it for the four guys, so.
0: Absolutely, and there is a there's definitely a, an intimacy and a rawness to it that is powerful and is true, you know, to the group. Seemingly, you know, five. Obviously, a lot of that has to do with you. You know, you were out there in a big way in the film in a very personal way. Uh, yet you, uh, as near as I could tell, have been very ardent in your support for it. You know, and what? ardent. You're into it. You know, you're, you're out there and you're here at an event like this. You know, talk about what the film means to you and what your feelings are about it and, and why you're strongly behind it.
2: I'm strongly behind the movie for the simple fact that I know he put a lot of time and effort, forget the money aspect of it, but a lot of time and effort into making this film. And you have four different personalities within this group, so you're gonna have some ups and downs, some disagreements, disagree to agree, whatever it may be. Me personally, I just felt like, well, I'm gonna enjoy the fruits of our labor while it's still right. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna let this situation just go away like that. I mean, this is, this is our lives, 20 years of our lives in a nutshell and I thought he did a very good job, you know what I mean? So, I felt, I talked to my parents, I talked to my lawyer, I talked to my managers, and then I took it to myself and said, you know what, I'm gonna enjoy this, hence the reason why I went to Sundance, hence the reason why I came back home to the foundation where it all started for us to enjoy this. Now, there were some things that weren't cool that went on, but my thing is, if you're that adamant about whatever, Let the lawyers handle that. You know what I mean? You can't fight water with fire. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't necessarily work unless you have a plethora of firefighters, obviously. You know what I mean? We're not firefighters. We're rappers. We're producers. We're artists. Let the lawyers do what they do. And hopefully everything will come together for the greater good. And that's how I looked at it. And I'm glad I came I wouldn't do anything differently. I'm actually proud of myself if I say so. If I can say so.
0: I'm sure we have some questions. We have some comments from, uh, from all of you. So why don't we start that process? We have a uh, microphone. Raise your hand. We'll come to you. The first question is right here on the side. Gentlemen, over here to your left. Sit down. I have a quick two-part question. Love the group. Love the work. Um, Fife, what advice would you have for artists who want to be like you one day. And Michael, you said getting started was the easiest part of this. What was the most difficult part of this doc?
2: Um, first of all, to so all the people out there who wish to be artists, never listen to people who tell you that you can't. Um, whatever's in your heart, it's going to come out. The truth is always the best way to go. So if you're from Brooklyn... Represent Brooklyn. If you're from Lindbrook, don't represent Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? Just keep it real at all times and just just do whatever's from here and everything's gonna come together. Straight up and down. Don't worry about the money. Don't worry about none of that. It's gonna come together.
1: Um, the hardest part about the film was the editing process. Because um, I knew that we had great footage and... It was everything that I had expected. No, it was everything that I imagined and more. And I would sit in the editing room scared to death because there was over 100 hours of footage on how to figure out how to take that 100 hours of footage and make it 95 minutes of informative, entertaining, and what I felt is, is honest, an honest story. Um, so... That and the music clearances were, were the toughest. Because music clearances are tough, just if you're clearing any song. But hip-hop, particularly Tribe, this, they're so sample-heavy. So, like, you can't just clear Beneath Applebaum. You go to the group, of course, they're, they're cool with it. Then you have to go to, what is it, Ramp? Get it from Ramp. And then the Isley Brothers. And then, I mean, so the, the sampling was, was so heavy. And cl- you have to clear every sample. That was... A whole other project into itself that I didn't realize was going to be so tough, but we did it.
0: Uh, you know, I have another question. I mean, often you know, like fans want you know something to be upbeat. You know, that the sense of you know they love a Tribe Called Quest, and there are dark parts of this film, you know, and, and troubling parts to it, and it's you know you're left in a very um, unresolved kind of place at the end. Uh, you know, I wonder how each of you felt about that. For me, <clears throat> I
1: feel like Tribe Called Quest is unresolved. And, and you know, I, I've heard some people comment on the movie saying it's, it's really upbeat, but it's also sad. You know, relationships are sad. You know, they're, they're, they're great, they're powerful, they're impactful. They're, there's so many different things. But the thing that I related to while we were shooting, I've had my shares of ups and downs in, in personal relationships. And watching these guys, who I've always felt like they remind me of my friends, and I was going through my own stuff when I when when we were making the movie, and watching these two guys, just kind of bump heads and miss each other and misinterpret things, and and not be able to fix it, and knowing like well if you just do this maybe, I, I related to that because I I have had that. So um, what was the initial question? I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> well no I was just wondering if you if you thought that it would have been nice. Oh yeah I mean if, no I I
1: I never had any plans to. Like I wanted to end this way, or I, I wanted it to end on a relatively honest note. And for me, when we when we stopped shooting, they were in Japan. They had huge, great receptions in Japan and Australia, and that's how I wanted to end the film. You know, will there be more music? I don't know. Do I want more music? Yeah, it would be great for hip hop if Tribe Called Quest could come out with a, a, another album. That is, I mean, it would be. The, The the music in hip hop, it it, it would be like, it'd be like if the Beatles, in hip hop, it would literally be like if the Beatles put out an unreleased album that was not just outtakes, like a great album, or if Led Zeppelin came back together and did a sick album. It would be the same thing for for hip hop and for the culture. And I always like, you know, when I would see them, I was like, yo, come on, make more music. You know, do it. You got, you know, like do it, do it. And, and I know that the fans feel that way too, because it would be incredible for for hip hop. It miss, it's missing the essence of what was in Tribe, what was in De La Soul, what was in that golden era of hip hop. So that was kind of my little mantra making the movie.
2: Will they make more music? Please make more music.
0: Five, any possibility of that?
2: I have no idea to be honest. I mean, we're so far away from that right now. I don't know what to tell you guys. Hence the reason why I don't go out a lot anymore, like to parties and things of that nature, because that's like the million-dollar question. Will there be a Tribe album? And I really don't have the answer. And I know some people twist up their lips like, you know, and I really don't. I really don't. But Trust me, he really does, and I know at this point. Yeah, like, honestly, (laughs) the good thing about it is, in my heart of hearts, I really want to do it for you guys for the simple fact that we haven't done a studio album in 13 years, and you guys still make us relevant as if we had the latest, hottest single out today, as I'm speaking, you know what I mean? So for you guys, I'd love to do it, but you have to also understand on the flip side of that, we're not just gonna get together for the sake of getting together. It has to be perfect. It has to be perfect harmony. The uh, um, the chemistry has to be on point, like it's, It's always on point when we're on that stage. Like, we could have an argument two minutes before showtime. We get on that stage, you'd never know. You know what I mean? That's how the album would have to come off as well. Because if there's tension, if there's beef, you're going to hear it in the music. And that'll be a disservice to you guys. And I don't even want to go that route. So keep your fingers crossed along with myself that another Tribe album will happen. Until then, in the meantime, between time, Fife has a new album coming out real, real soon. (laughs) You know I had to do that. (laughs) Songs in the Key of Fife, the EP, Eight is Enough. And then following that, the LP, Songs in the Key of Fife, the LP, Cheryl's Big Son. Because when I was going through my illness and all of that, all I had was my mom, all I had was my wife, and my support system, especially my grandmother, who I lost last June right here in New York. So um, <clears throat> look out for that. Look out for the new clothing line coming soon. I have a sports show coming out soon called The Fanalist. You know what I mean? Cause um, you know I'm a sports buff, and that that's what I do outside of me. One of the
0: great parts of the film, yeah. actually. It's so, you know what I mean? R- and then
2: soon he and I will put together some documentaries of our own with sports. You know <laughs> what I <laughs> <gotta> mean? Like, <laughs> but, yeah. So that's what it is. But hopefully another try by one will be on the horizon. Cause I think I need that. Because before I'm a part of this group, before I'm an artist, I'm a fan of hip-hop, and I'm definitely a fan of a tribe called Quest. And I thank you all for supporting us. I really do.
0: Let's uh, get another question. All the way over here on your far right.
2: here,
1: uh, Mr. Rappaport, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of yours. I just wanted to say, I've seen you in movies like you've worked with Woody Allen, you've worked with Spike Lee. What was your favorite filmmaker to work with? Um, that's a good question. I, wouldn't, I can't really pick one of them. I mean, Woody Allen, working with Woody Allen was so beyond my wildest dreams, like when, when that happened. And then I worked with him again. I was just like, I, God, what the, I couldn't believe it. Spike, I love. Tony Scott was, was a great experience working with him on True Romance. Um, and uh, there's a filmmaker who's made some good movies named Nick Gomez, who I really, really like. Um... John Singleton, big supporter, and you know, really gave me an opportunity uh, when when you know I didn't think I would be able to play a part that it, like I did in Higher Learning. So I've learned, and even from the ones I don't really like and didn't really care for or the movies that I didn't really like. You you even learn from those, and, and but I'd say Woody, Spike, and John Singleton. I mean, they're like they're like star directors, and Tony Scott. They're like you're working with almost like a celebrity director. But Woody Allen was the I and mean, he's a there's only a few people that are in that league next question right here in the
0: center
2: I just have a quick question um, for those who missed the film like I it shut out because of the rush tickets when will the film actually be released in theaters July 8th in New York and Los Angeles and then the following dates after that in DC and Frisco and st. Louis in Chapel Hill North Carolina cuz I'm a big Tar Heel fan Yes, <laughs> Pittsburgh, Houston You know what I mean? Everywhere
1: It's crazy It's really yeah, it's crazy big. that uh, a documentary A music documentary And a music documentary about hip hop Is opening nationally It's beyond all of our wildest dreams That this, that, that would happen I think it's great for, for hip hop And for independent film I'm shocked that it's happening I'm looking forward to people getting to see it But it makes sense to me because there's Chopped call Quest fans all over the place Next question way in the back here, center.
2: Oh. Um oh, that is I gotta go. uh, hey Michael Fife, how you doing? How you doing? My name is Abonsu Thompson. I'm the editor-in-chief of Source What's Magazine. What's up, man? How are you? God bless. How's everything? How's everything? Um, something I always wanted to ask you, Fife, um, you know, especially in, in today's market and the music, uh, entities get together in mass groups, a lot of uh, creatives come together, form these collectives, and then kind of they, they form a viable um, entity in the market and then kind of separate and do their own thing. You are, you know, you mentioned, uh, first of all, um, Songs in the Key of Fife is genius. Um, but. But, you know, like you are now creating your own solo project and you've and we've had this this battle for like the last almost 20 years of who's better. Q-tip fight. People had their preferences. Why are you just deciding to take a solo uh, opportunity? Um, well, I did drop a solo LP back in 2000. The promotion wasn't that great. It was called Ventilation. So I've always wanted to do this. Um, there were a couple of detours. I'm not going to get into totally why or whatever but it was a lot of hating going on in general you know what i mean and um but at the end of the day i'm loyal to my group so that's probably why i took this long now i'm i'm really trying to do the fife thing right now big time but if tribe came to me and said yo we're about to do this album i don't even have to consider it they really don't have to tell me twice we'll just have to get it popping but in the meantime between time like i said I've worked hard and diligent on this upcoming project, and I'll be damned if it doesn't come out. You know what I mean? So thanks for the support, by the way, man. Word up.
0: Next question, third row, right in front of you, actually.
2: Um, Considering this is not really like a promotional movie for Tribe, it's a movie about Tribe, Um, and the type of access you had, how close you got to them, could you have made the movie as good as you want it to be without conflict with the members
1: of the group? That's a good question. No, the movie... The movie would have been fun, but I feel like it would have gotten monotonous and it would have felt more like a behind-the-scenes, how they did it, sort of like a DVD extra that comes with the greatest, greatest hits album if the film didn't turn out as interpersonal. And... Um, you know, the filmmaker me, I'm not going to lie and say that, like, when I was exposed to it, I was like, oh, wow, I couldn't believe it, you know, because I knew that the, st- I knew that the story was going to be, be, if I could use the term, beyond the music, and it was exhilarating to, to, to see it, but I never felt like, I knew that I would only take it so far. Like, you, you, you know, one thing I learned in making the, doc- making the documentary is that you don't need to go every single detail. Well, he said this and he said that because there's I have like you know endless amounts of interviews. You got to do this and then that day, but it's it's you just kind of trying to get a um, an emotion and, and kind of get a point across. But yeah, without without the story, that's beyond the music. It wouldn't have been as an is it is an is a good film. It wouldn't have been as good. It would have been just a it would have been really for the, the tribe called Quest aficionados. And that's one thing that I did not want the movie to be before.
0: Over on your right, in the fourth row, in the back. Hey, How you guys doing? Uh, first of all. I'd like to thank you for shouting out Long Island on your records because no Absolutely. one knew it existed. I think that you did. So, um, cool. My question for you, though, I, you know, because whatever happened early on, I know like you, Dayla, you guys kind of missed out on like the big money boat. But, like, do you take any solace or comfort at all in knowing that you're like the MC's MC, like the artist's artist, like that people look to you. And we'll always look to you for that. And like, you know, like they say, same things about Radiohead, Rolling Stone writes it, you know, and says, uh, you know, the, the artist's artist. I mean, do you take any comfort in that? And also, I, if I get a quick one to Mike, real quick. You called yourself uh, one of the greatest black actors ever on Conan One Night, I remember. Are you going to be one of the greatest black directors now? Or
1: are you moving
2: on?
1: Um, I, I call Fife the Rod Strickland for, the, for, for
2: basketball fans, the Rod Strickland of MCs. Word, word, word. I, um, I'm, I'm actually elated by that because I look at people like Doc Rivers as a player's coach. So I totally understand what you're talking about. Um, if they refer to me as such, I'm, I'm totally honored. That, that weighs, that holds a lot of weight more so than money, I think. You know what I mean? Because there are people out there who understand the method to my madness maybe. You know what I mean? So I'm happy about that. I have no qualms with that at all. As far as me being one of the greatest black actors,
1: <laughs> I, I don't remember exactly what I said on Conan. I mean, you know, the, I always like to state the obvious. I mean, I, I you know, f- for whatever reason, you know, my first film was Zebrahead, which was a story about, thank you, uh, interracial relationship, and it was hip-hop, and it happened, happened to be the first time Nas was exposed to the world. Um, you know, it, through higher learning and... Bamboozled and you know, the appearances and videos, whatever you know, hip hop, and 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 you know, the way I grew up, it's just the way I grew up. I mean, I have all kinds of different friends, and not just black guys, not just white guys. I, you know, somehow or another, I came out where like it was just like, especially at a young age, it was like, he's my he's cool, you play ball, all right, we're friends. Um, and and um, so you know, I I, if if I continue on as a director, I if I'll just want to be. A good director. I don't want to be the best of anything. I just want to just, you know, continue to learn and grow and then and, and hopefully um, get a chance to make my next film. We have time for two more questions. Front row right here. Uh, Fife, I just want to say I grew up on you. My brother, like, just played all kinds of tribal Cold Quest, all kinds of music, R&B, hip-hop, so I thank you. Thank uh, you. Michael Rappaport, man, I'm going to tell you, you're like the coolest guy in Hollywood, period. You're one of the coolest guys, period. Thank you're you. unique. I'm not I the just... coolest white guy? <laughs> no, period. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, so an important I, qualifier, now, yeah. Now that you've done documentaries and done movies, what do you like better? Like acting, directing? Do, you, do we see a lot more directing coming out of you? Anything. Um, well, I, I, I'm always going to be an actor first, and that's always going to be my first love. I've been wanting to direct for like 10 years now. Um, So I would love to be able to balance the two. Um, I feel like right now, for me, like I am really anxious to make a narrative film, but I'm never gonna, I mean, acting is something that's like, it's so important to me to do. So I'm always gonna continue doing it. Um, But directing is like, it's like a, I'm so intimidated by it in a way. And that's why I'm gravitating towards it more because I have so much I wanna learn and explore with it. And that's exciting to me.
0: Right here in the second row in front of you. How you doing? Big fan of both of your work. Everything that's, from day one. The whole resume is just perfect. No questions asked. Um, Fife, you mentioned earlier that you'd want to do a sports documentary with Mike. Um, what kind of topic are we, are we looking at? That's a question for both of you, too.
2: Um, I don't want to give away too much because a lot of people will run with it and do it before us. It is a good idea. But um, to be honest... We're both sports buffs.
1: Now, I'm not as much as him. This guy could tell you about the 1974 Reds. He'll tell you who played the right field. He's serious just, with the sports. Just,
2: it'll have to be sports or music. You know what I mean? But being that I'm a part of music and been for a while now, I'd re- you know, the grass always looks greener on the other side. You know what I mean? And when I want to get away from the madness of the music, I always go to sports always so like if I could do a documentary on the whole Ohio State-Michigan rivalry or the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers or my hometown Yankees or the Jets you know what I mean that'll be dope you know what I mean and that's just like matter of fact when we were at Sundance we had a discussion about Fab Five, and Jalen Rose beat us to it, but obvious, for obvious reasons. And it was great. You know what I'm saying? He was part of the Fab Five, of course, and um, it was a great movie, but that told me right there that good minds think alike, and we're going to get it popping real soon. Yeah, so we, uh, really look out for that. It. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you both very much, and thank you all for coming, and go see the film when it comes out.
1: Thank you, guys. Thank you again to Michael, our report Five Dog.